Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rugby League Talks. I'm Kiggs, and it's just myself today as Jacob's away. This is going to be a di- bit of a different episode. Because it's just myself, I'm going to go brush through every other game and talk about the big talking points around the league this week. Uh, there's a lot. Holy shit. Uh, shit went down over this past weekend. Uh, game-wise and out-of-the-league-wise with players, signings. Uh, today, for instance, it was just announced that Tigers are apparently targeting Mitchell Pearce in the uh, in the Super League to come back for a two-year deal. That's a bit of a shock to me. I uh, don't know why, but that's something I'll address later down the line when we get to that game. Uh, first things first, however, we have the Power vs. Penrith game, and this was a game to certainly open up the round. It, it defined the round, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of buzzing points prior to this game. The Mitchell Moses contract, uh, Nathan Cleary obviously being a big name in this game as well. Really, the two dominant halves, halfbacks in the league at the moment, uh, if Cleary's not playing Origin, it's going to be Mitchell Moses, in my opinion. Uh, I know myself, I'm not a big fan of Mitchell Moses, not because of the way he plays, but because of the attitude he addresses on the field. Uh, and I think I, a lot of people would, would agree with me. Uh, constantly talking to the refs in his ear, whinging, kinda. Uh, Gufferson can be, can be definitely be like that as well. However, I, it's not as... It's, you know, it is what it is. It's nothing I can control. Uh, or anyone can control. It's just the way those players are. And they're very passionate about their team and their game. Can it be annoying? Fuck yes. Um... On top of that, I want to talk about the $1 million deal that Mitchell Moses signed. And personally, I think... I don't know if it's... If he was going to go to another club, he would certainly get that kind of money. Um, Because it's Mitchell Moses. He's a big name in the league, of course. However, does he deserve it? I, Like I said, great player, but... He hasn't made outstanding decisions in the big moments. He hasn't won a big decision. Uh, for instance, Grand Final, State of Origin. Um, he was good good for Lebanon in the World Cup, of course. Uh, probably one of the be- like the their best player and most high profile player. Um, going back to the Grand Final from the previous year, Eels were fucking rolled over. And you could definitely see moments similar to the grand final in this game. Um, it, it it just showed how different these two teams are. You know, obviously, these two teams pride themselves on their forward pack. Big, dominant boys in that forward pack. Juno uh, Barlow, RCG, Hopgood uh, in recent years. Um, Ryan Madison returned. You now... And then for Penrith... Fuck, do you even have to say names? Um, JWH. Oh, not JWH. James Fisher-Harris. Moses Leota. Uh, Liam Martin was absent from this game. However, Zach Hosking, holy crap, made a great game uh, on that right edge and has retained that spot, uh, I believe. Luke Garner. Um, you know, while he hasn't been outstanding, he has been solid, he does a job it doesn't help that Jamin Semin comes on for him half the time um if I go to this team this week's team list, which I'm, I'm doing now, I think we'll see a Penrith side that's going to just dominate Canberra, in my opinion, I don't think 
we're going to have much luck. Oh, there's, there's uh, Scott Sorensen and Zach Hosking, both name in the start in second row. Sorensen, I, I like as a bench player. Sorensen is a bloke who will come off the bench. He's quick, play the ball, he's strong, uh, athletic in some regard as well. I, I think he's a great call forward when he comes off the bench. Interesting to see how he goes. He's going to be a great line runner, uh, powerful line runner, careful ball carrier. Will he have the same finesse that they need um, with the ball handling? I don't know. That's something that we will definitely have to uh, keep our, our eye on. Um, another big starting point about Mitchell Moses, if I go back to him now, is that state of origin. Of course, it's it's going to be very difficult for Mitchell Moses to get a sh like even a fingertip, a digit into state of origin because of Cleary. Cleary is the most renowned halfback in the NRL. Uh, you could even probably say world. Uh, don't know how you could defend that after the little World Cup challenge or World Club challenge. Um, with State of Origin with Mitchell Moses, you, you definitely see that he could he could perform. However, uh, the f issue with that is the State of Origin Game 3 2021 where he played through a back injury, like that, that fucking standing to him, that's going to cause some serious pain while you're playing, um, so do we count him some slack, yeah, I guess, a little bit, but this is, an, this is um, rugby league, you don't cut people slack for an instant sometimes, uh, you're as good as you are of your last game, that's, people have short memory in this field, in this sport, like any other sport really, but Showing his performance, it, it, Queensland did topple over sometimes. They won. Like, it was a hard-fought victory for Queensland. Don't get me wrong. Especially with a dominant series that New South Wales had that year. Uh, having Cleary and Luai both out, which were the halves for the start in two games, uh, was really mumble-jumble. I believe... I, I still, to this day, believe that the uh, Sydney boys, South Sydney boys, should have been the halves. Uh, Reynolds and Walker, I think they just had a momentous season that year and they were unlucky to win the grand final but props to Penrith for winning that one. Mitchell Moses is the type of bloke who will do a job. Uh, he just broke the record for the most amount of kick meters I believe so that f wow, outstanding there. Um, can't believe it to be honest. Will power, but the big question that is with this contract is is the power Premiership window is still open. I, I personally don't know. Uh, I think we've seen a very rough eel side in the starting four matches. Of course, they got that win. But it was... It, it's going to be fucking hard for them. Um, they versed the Sydney Roosters this Thursday, tonight, Allianz Stadium. Um, a team that is... A, another team that's off the bye, which till, this, till now still trumps me about how those boys weren't able to get a solid draw because they played three teams consecutively off a bye, mainly Penrith Roosters. That's, that's, that's hard. And they played a very tough game. They played an eight-three-minute game last week. So props to, be props to the Eels. Uh, we'll see how they go. Um, of course, no Joseph Manu for this game for eels uh, for roosters so yeah a bit interesting to see how they go um 
another thing that was coming out of this Eels versus Penrith game from last week was, uh, well, post this, was Clint Gufferson. Uh, it has been confirmed that Clint Gufferson has had talks with the power coaching staff to board to say that they are looking for another fullback. Um, personally, I don't know how to go about that. Mentally, I don't know how Gufferson... Like, like, mentally, if you're Gufferson, what are you thinking? Like, am I not good enough? I, I, or is the team better without me? Or like, like, all those questions are, would be going through my head. Um, the reasoning, I, I don't understand. Uh, Billy Slater said it well. Why would you invest more time into another person to learn the fullback position? Clint Gufferson, don't get me wrong, amazing player. Um, has his moments where he's like, bro, shut up. And he, he's a bit of a um, heel with the crowd or with the fan base at home. Uh, a lot of Power fans do not like him. Understandable, I'm one of them. Um, when you have a person, however, like Clint Gufferson, there's no other person like Clint Gufferson. His, he, like, people disregard him for his tackling ability. But it's the defense. Like, for instance, the final game against Cowboys last season, right? That man was everywhere. He was saving tries left, right, and center. He fucking shot down Nenai so many times. And for have Gufferson then be like, oh, we're going to look for another fullback. It's... I I don't think it shows loyalty from the club. You have invested all this time into a fullback who was so close to winning a Dally M just two years ago. And now you're going to shut him to the curb? Is that really your problem? I don't, no, it's not. It's your consistency and it's your outside back. It's not Clint Gufferson. That bloke is outstanding at what he does. He, and I always think to his defense, his attack, he flows in attack. Um, kick, kick return meters, that's not his job. That's Sivos. That's the winger's job. They have powerful wingers. And that's Sivos' job to return the ball off a kick. He's a great leader. Um, of course, him being a manly boy beforehand, he didn't have that um, opportunity there. But you know what? He took it at Eels. He took it at Parramatta. And he fucking made that fullback jersey his own. He's played Origin. He, I, I, I can't remember if he's played for Australia, but he could have. Fuck. Um... Are you really going to shift Clint Gufferson to the senses where he is going to be limited? And he's healthy too. There's no solid fucking reason to move Clint Gufferson to a center. If you need a center, recruit a center. There are plenty of centers out there. Look into your reserve grade system. Don't know how the eels are going, but fuck, there are some centers out there that could use a different club. Uh, some that aren't getting a shut eye in. Um, it just, it just doesn't seem right to let Clinton Gufferson go, in my opinion. But, you know, that, that's my opinion. Um, that's something that we'll, we'll have to see how that develops. I've, I think Jaden Campbell was someone that they were targeting, which, to be honest, could be a good career move for Jaden Campbell, because at the moment... The spine of Titans, when healthy, are looking very solid. Brimo, Boyd, Thorin, 
and Sam Bales. That's a good spine currently. That's going to only stay for the next season or two. I think two seasons because that's what Thrawn's contract is. He'll probably retire after that end. But I, I, I think Campbell is a it's going to be a good career choice for him to go to Parramatta where he can learn. But Parramatta are then going to have to invest more time and money into him to develop as a player to reach that Clint Gufferson level. And do you have that time at all to have a premiership once he's developed? Like, once he's fully developed, like, that could take a season or two. Um, and you could have players leave, retire, probably retire. Um, so just, it, it just, it's, it's an awkward situation. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting story once it further develops. Uh, will we hear news of this soon? Probably not. Like, <laughs> we could come next year, hear about it, and be like, oh yeah, that happened. I, I, I think that could happen. I think it will happen. Um, but for now, the media are just going to fucking blow it out of proportion and be like, oh, this player's going to sign with power to replace the Gufferson fullback. No. And on top of that, he's your captain. You're not going to get rid of Clint Gufferson. And you, you shouldn't get rid of Clint Gufferson until he's ready to retire. Para's chances of winning in a premiership have decreased 100%, but they can build, man. Like, they can get back into that consistent ray. I think with ha- I, the main concern with this year was the forwards. Like, they lost a lot of forwards last year after the season. And dare I say it, Jermaine Hopgood has filled that void. He is your 13, for as long as I can see. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I Eels are looking a bit shaky, yeah. I, 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 I can't say you can confirm they'll be a top 8 side just yet. After their poor performance to start the year. Right until round 10, I say. Moving on, though. Storm vs. Tigers. Now, this is a game that's a... Uh, it just it, it dragged for me. I feel um, a lot of errors from the Tigers side. It was very frustrating to watch, in particular, from a t- Tigers perspective. If you're a Tigers fan, fuck, I, you you probably turned it off a quarter way through the game. You, you, like, yeah, uh, but that's about every Tigers game at the moment. You you can you can definitely see. And I, I spoke about this early on. Madge was not the problem last year. They won games with Madge. I don't think they've won a lot of games without Madge since then. I think they only like won one or two since Madge left or got sacked. Uh, and I don't know what it is, but every club seem... Or like the entire board or the... Coach, they seem to think that Luke Brooks is their man. Luke Brooks is not their man. That displayed on the weekend why Luke Brooks is not their man. The fucking past three years have shown why Luke Brooks is not their man. They need to let him go. It's a, it's a toxic relationship. And I know Jacob has spoken a lot about this over the past couple months or a year, ever since we started this podcast. And that is how Luke Brooks plays. He's a great effort man. 
don't get me wrong, but his decision making is what is lacking and it's what's show like missing from the entire entire Tigers game. There were so many times in that weekend where Luke Brooks thought about something before he received the ball and still did it without adjusting. We spoke about this in the preseason with uh, Isaiah Katoa and how Isaiah Katoa is able to rethink what he's going to be able to do once he looks up and receives the ball. Brooks can't do that. Brooks isn't doing that. And that's what they, he needs to do. You need to learn, He needs to learn that. And if I can sit here, look at it, and be like, like an 18-year-old who has barely played footy in his life and who, who sits and watches footy all weekend and sees that... Fuck, how have a club's not seen it? How has a club not seen it in particular? On top of that, I know Tim Sheens is a great footy mastermind, but it's not being displayed at all. For instance, Adam Dewey, who was shifted to the right edge and Brooks to the left edge, that was a disaster class. Dewey cannot pass left to right, and that's shown of how poor the ball... Um, the centres and the wingers got poor ball from Dewey. On top of that, Dewey, I don't think he's a half at the moment. He's their best player, but he's not a half. Let him roam, maybe, or play him 5'8", play him fullback. Um, but fucking, like, just put everyone on their right edge. Like, honestly, I the moment... In when they started going left and Dewey got the ball on the left edge they looked fantastic why? because Dewey has played on the left edge for the majority of the last two seasons I don't understand how a team that is struggling who has been struggling for the past 10 plus years cannot see their issues the Tales from Tigerland documentary two years ago displayed those issues openly to the public. It's mind-boggling. I don't... It's fucking bullshit. And I think it's the board, and a lot of other people think it's the board, and why why wouldn't you? That documentary showed the decisions, the statements from the club, all have shown the representation of that club and how poorly managed it is however there is some optimism to look at Um, for one John Bateman like he didn't have the first great game but fuck he's a good leader and he's gonna fix up the culture I hope with errors it's just can they get the halves working forwards can only do so much Forwards lay... It's it's a parallel. Forwards lay the groundwork for halves. Halves let... Capitalise four forwards. Halves kick. They play make. They let the... They let the forwards rest once their job is done. And that's to get sets off to a great start. That's to get field position. That's to dig deep and tackle through the middle. Um, Yeah. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you can definitely see the same thing with Storm over these past three weeks. Once Munster uh, was injured, 
you can see a lot of the X factor uh, evaporated. Um, having Munster back now is a great thing for the Storm. They have that X factor player. You know, like people say, oh, they got they still got Hughes and Grant. Yeah, hundred percent. Grant can only do as much if the halves are doing as much as well. They need that X factor in the halves. Hughes, yeah, pretty good halfback, but he's not going to lay the groundwork for you. He's not going to be the kicker, the runner, the ball player, the organizer. He can't do four drops. No half should be able to do four. Should do four drops. It's a balance, a shift of workload throughout the halves. One half has to incorporate the other half's game. That's why in the 90s, the Canberra Raiders and the Broncos were so good because they incorporated each other in the halves. One was a runner, one was a kicker, an organiser. It's something that Canberra still do to this day with Jack White and Jamal Fogarty. And with the Storm, going back to the Storm, they have some good players. It's just, can they incorporate that? And they took a big hit with the Dolphins taking a lot of, with three of their core forwards. Uh, I think they're still recovering from Dale Finucan. Despite that, however, Josh King has been outstanding, in my opinion. He, he's had a great start this season, very similar to how he started last year. But we all know he kind of backed off through the middle and through the end, much like Melbourne itself. So keep an eye on that. I know Supercoach players are loving it, or draft play like fantasy players. I am. I got him in my fantasy draft. Don't know how long he's going to stick around for, but he's staying there. But with a half, let's go back to halves. Jonah Pezzett. He's a talent. He's a great talent. The way he carries the ball, passes the ball, kicks the ball, organizes. He's a leader. Jacob will cream over him any chance he gets. Like he creamed over him in the off season when we spoke about our under twenty ones. That's right. He's only twenty one. This bloke can play. He, he he was a New South Wales half for a reason in under nineteen's origin last year. So do with that information as you will. On on this game, however. I think Storm still have a a little bit to go before they are back to their normal selves. This week, they have the Rabbitohs at Acor Stadium. So, of course, Rabbitohs home game. And this was brought to my attention. Something about Storm was brought to my attention a couple of weeks ago. This is going to be the fan-submitted opinion of the week, where the Storm aren't... Of course, the Storm aren't who they used to be. But there's a big chance where they couldn't play finals. That's what someone said to me. Um, I was like, wow. Possibly. I mean, they're currently ninth. They could get knocked out of the finals week one if they do make it again. Um, they are still a, a bit to go before all of their key players are back. Uh... Let's have a look. We still have no Hughes or Pappenhausen. That's a big one. And no Nas. 
Nas is a big one for me because he's a key forward within this forward pack who sets a groundwork for their, for his teammates. I I feel as if Storm have a a while to go before they are a top tier side again, and that's that's solely because of the injuries and that yeah just the, mainly the injuries and how they can incorporate that like Nick Meany is going to be the fullback for a long time there I feel and good on him however he's no Ryan Pappenhausen yet so he's developing and I, I hope he continues to show his crafty work you know he's not he's no longer a rookie he, he's been in the league for a number of seasons now this is his sixth season he played for Newcastle, he played for Bulldogs for three years, and this is his second year at Storm. Moving on to the next game, however. Holy shit. This was... Okay, this felt like an origin. Just because of this, of the intensity. Everyone was at each other's throats. And... You could, and 100% you should have been. This is the Battle of Brisbane. Two Brisbane sides looking to say they're the better Brisbane team. And as Tony Staggs put it, Brisbane is the... Broncos' home is Brisbane. It's their fucking home, as he said. To go in there, the Dolphins, head held high, in it to the very last second. Good on them. They lost a lot of bloke. They they lost Tessie New and they lost Sean O'Sullivan, their halfback. You don't get so close. Like, honestly, you don't get so close without your halfback. And they were close, even without him. There for a little bit. Remember, they didn't play with their starting two halves. It was O'Sullivan and Milf. There's no Katoa. So... To go out there and put on a performance like that, outstanding in my opinion. They should have held their heads held high. Uh, well, I thought both teams played amazing, and it could have, like, honestly, the scoreline obviously doesn't do Bron- Brisbane or Broncos justice, sorry, because of the misconversions. But it still shows to me that Dolphins weren't going to give up. And there was only one try scored in the first half. And that could Tony Staggs try. Like, obviously, it broke your heart. But Dolphins had more possession. They had a better completion rate. They had more offloads more seats, more total passes, more kicking meters. That's because of the time in effect. However, what stopped them, however, was death battle through the middle. Of course, um, the forward pack of Brisbane were always going to be big for this game. Both teams have a great forward pack. Uh, Bromwich Brothers uh, for the... Dolphins, and they have Tom Gilbert. He played outstanding, by the way, I thought. Uh, another bad, uh, like poor thing that happened for 
for the Dolphins was that Cody Nicarima unfortunately got a head knock two minutes into his game time. So he didn't have a great game, of course. Uh, so unfortunate for him. Going on to, over to Brisbane, though, they, they they had to prove it. Like, they were going to come into this game and think, oh, yeah, we fucking got this. Because you don't know how Dolphins are going to play. They play that, like, they've been playing outstanding for this three. I just like to give a big shout out to Payne Haas. 56 minutes, 157 run meters, 70 post contact, four tackle breaks, three offloads. There's not a forward like him in the NRL. Like, it was like he's the second coming of God because he will dominate your side. He He's an origin player. And he had a 2.9 second play of a ball. That's fucking ridiculous for a forward sometimes. That's why he's regarded as one of the best players of all. In the league, and why he deserves the big bucks, he doesn't deserve a million, but he deserves big money. Another player that I thought was outstanding yet again was Reese Walsh, and when you look at it, Walshy could play Origin this year. I, you could argue, do you keep Cameron Ponga or do you put Reese Walsh in your side? At this moment, you're going Walshy, of course. But fuck, it's a big question. Like, this is going to be War Games. Right? This is going to be our War Games episode of the week. You just have a forward pack of Broncos that does a job so well. And what is that? And that forces players to have to get into the face of them and to rush up. At this moment, however... What I don't understand is why Hammer is in the line. But let's go. Let's let's move. Let's do this. Right? 25, 27 meters out. Walters passes to uh, Carrigan, who is the second man. He has Payne Haas on his outside. He has Ezra Mam running a jockey. Reese Walsh running a jockey for Ezra Mam. And then it's going to leave a two-on-three overlap for Jesse Arthurs, Reese Walsh, and Jesse uh, and Herbie Farnworth. What I see from this is Anthony Milford. He knows what's going to happen solely because of the line that Kurt Capel runs, and that's a kind of diagonal line. Milford's good here because he spots Reese Walsh, but what stops Milford from getting to him? Is the lateral is the speed of Walsh? But this is what Brisbane have been using so well, and that's his speed on an edge. They give him early ball, and this allows for him to get up into the face, draw defenders in, and allow for his outside men to get a break. Exactly what happens here? He gives Herbie early ball. Benko Lee has to come in to make a tackle. Now Jermaine Zarko is also rushing Herbie because Herbie's a fast, agile player. He can break a line. Uh, we see it again, we saw it against Penrith. Izarko, he sees that the ball's going to go to Arthurs, but Arthurs, with so much space, he's just able to get across. A big criticism of Izarko 
uh, in his career as a ringer, and it, what you could see it when he played for Titans last year was how infield he could be, but you'll follow your center, of course. Moving on to the next game, I have the Cowboys versus the Titans. Uh, obviously, good to see the Cowboys get a win. I'm sure a lot of people are, that listen to this are happy. But if you're a Titans fan, you're going to cry because you have now lost three of your starting four spine players. Brimo, Verrills, Foran. It fucking sucks because Titans look amazing. Their attack is outstanding. Has some clunky times, but they can attack. What they can't do, however, is defend. And it's been the same thing for two years now. When they made finals, when they didn't make finals last year, they can't defend on an edge, and that's exactly what happened here. You you can see they were the cows worked done from the in, inside to then get that space in the edge, and it worked. Outstanding from him, for them. Uh, of course, Cowboys aren't without their losses with Monitor and Lungy, and then I for two matches to Lungy doing his MCL and could be upwards to six weeks now. Uh, it was originally reported one to two, but that's now been cleared up as up to six weeks, I believe. Uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, unlucky. I, I know, it sucks. He's a good player, Brendan Elliott. It just seems Cowboys are losing players left, right, and center. Uh, what I do see with Cows now is how they recuperate with these losses. And one thing that it uh, Todd Payton said is that I, I feel like I didn't train them enough. And that's fair. Like It's good to see that the coach is coming out and saying that kind of stuff. However... They still are, should be a good side. They were last year. Like, fuck, you still have majority of your spine. Drinkwater, he's got one more game before he's able to return. Uh, Chestnut is still filling in. Hiku's back just in time because Gamut Subasaki unfortunately injured his hamstring. James Tamo injured himself. Like, it's a fucking ideal. Uh, I, I saw something as in... Cows wouldn't be able to field a 22-man side. And looking at it, I don't know if that's true or not. At that, at one point, I think they were counting suspensions that weren't going to come in. And, yeah, um, it looks as if, having a look at it, they did name a 22-man squad with Leibart, Sadrugu, Gazowski, Cooley, and Ben Hampton in the, in the reserves. And then you have Jermaine Demore Brown, Mitch Dunn, Jack Granville on the bench with Debuton, Riley Price, son of Steve Price. Great things to see from him, making his debut, young bloke. Uh, Lukey coming back, he's going to be starting. Cohen Hess is still going to be on second row, as much as a lot of people are disappointed in that, but that's something you have to do. Griffin Neen will still start. Uh, Bennett Elliott coming to the starting side. Titans, fortunately, have a bye this week, which is good for them. They can recuperate the injuries, and they don't have to worry about that. And it, it gives them time for Brumo and Fallen to come back. Of course, Vels is still a little bit away yet, so we'll see when he returns. Could possibly be around magic time, I think. 
The next game that the Titans have is against Dragons, which is a bit odd to me because the last time they played was in round two. This will be in round six. Moving on, I, I I don't have a lot of cowboy things to talk about. That's Jacob's job. I don't I, I don't pay attention. I just like to watch Cowboys play. Uh, Val Holmes actually great player. Tom Dearden fucking masterclass. I thought Titans had the Cowboys at a certain point. I think it was like at halftime. I thought, oh fuck, Titans may come back and just win this. To be honest, but they they dug deep to Cowboys and they got through it. So great stuff to the Cowboys, especially Tom Dearden. He, he he bumped it, bumped it up a notch, and you don't see that often from players when they're down. But Tom Dearden, he's just a different beast. He will perform until the final whistle. So good to see from the kid. I, I love Tommy Dearden, as you know. So I, I, I hope he gets another crack at Origin this year. Uh, but with that, we will now move to Manly vs. Rabbitohs. Now, this was an emotional game for some, especially for South fans, as the late John Sattler died uh, earlier that week. Of course, it's an unfortunate time for many people, including his family. We lost a legend of the game. He was an, he was an immortal. So, he, he, this was a person who stood for his team, for himself. This was a person that believed that he didn't give up until the final whistle. He was a hard-hitting bastard. He he didn't care how long was left. He he fought through tough tooth and nail, and to he played through a broken jaw. You don't see people have that sense of loyalty a lot. And he said, I'm not... And that, that just showed how what type of person he was. He was a leader, and he wouldn't let your mates down. He, he captained Australia, and that's the type of bloke you would you would want to play with. That's the type of bloke I want to, I want to play with. Uh, he'll always leave a legacy behind for not only Rugby League, but for his family and for South Sydney. South Sydney has a rich history, and... I will never understand why they kicked South Sydney out of the comp in 99. South Sydney will always be a prominent team in this competition, whether they're in it or not, because they are the foundation club. They are one of the oldest clubs in history. The people who have played for them, the premierships they've won, what they have achieved... and not only that, but you could go to every single game and I guarantee there will be a random South fan. You go to any sporting event and there will be a random South fan. That's how deep their fan base goes. Uh, and if you didn't know that the John Sutler jersey will be on pre-sale, I'm going to get one. Uh, because it just it's a piece of history. That half-rabbit logo in the grand final is a piece of history. Uh, but let's now talk about the game. Uh, I thought both these teams played exceptionally well. There was you, you, you couldn't say a bad. There was a bad team. I think they played both well. Uh, a bit disappointing about the forward pass call. I don't think it was forward that uh, stopped the try. I think it was except it was back. Um, with that, there's been a lot of talk about introducing. 
forward pass technology. Do they introduce it? I think it will help a lot. It will clear a lot of things up. It's just how reliable will it be with flat passes? That's the only issue I have. How will they measure it? What like honestly how? Like it's gonna be big like you gotta have a big brain to incorporate that. So yeah, I I can definitely think from technology wise how they do it, but are you gonna trust that? Or and who's gonna override it? Someone is it going to be the bunker? Is it going to be the technology? Or is it going to be the ref on the field? Is it going to be the touchies? Touchies should have a say. And they should be able to see shit. There's a lot of times in this season where I've seen forward passes and it's not been caught up. Uh, Josh Hodgson uh, of Parramatta f- of throwing a flat ball fame. The man that passes his front very flat. I thought, fuck, that could have been forward. That, w- that probably was forward. I think it would be a welcome inclusion into the game. Just incorporate it correctly and make sure it's tested thoroughly before you integrate it into NRL. Test it in reserves grade first. Because the one thing you don't want is for it to be in a final game. For B in state of origin and it fucks you over. For instance, to fuck mainly over this game. With not um, with the call. Uh, but with that, fucking props to Lachlan Ilias who nailed it. And the kid... Is good. He, I think long term he'll be a good replacement for Adam Reynolds. And to have that big moment in such an impactful game for the history of South Sydney is outstanding. That will be remembered in the record books. Uh, I think both teams can hold their head high and say that they played well. Uh, Manly, Okawatu, he... I, the fact that he's never been selected in an Origin squad in the past two years has amazed me. I think he will be this year. I, I hope he does because you, even though Angus Crichton has been named to return to training this week, who knows when he'll be fully back. And I, I, I hope that this is going to be a sign that Okawatu can play Origin because I think he deserves it for the Blues. Uh, it's going to be fucking hard, though, if you're a Queensland fan. And it's going to be exceptionally hard for what I'm going to talk about in the Sharks game, if it does come to, to fruition. Moving on to the Warriors vs. Dogs game. It's another game I don't have a lot to say about, because it's two teams that have shown great ability to play like to play football over this past year. Um, well, the past four like, they've improved so much, so. Roy's looking like a serious threat now. The coach, uh, Webster, has been amazing for the club. On top of that, SJ, I think, has developed has developed a lot better than he did last year at the club. You know, being back home has really helped, as he said. And, of course, that's going to help everyone at the Warriors' side. Being back home in New Zealand is going to help. They get their fan base, their families. They don't travel. They're not going to stay in hotels for weeks on ends. Um, yeah, you could definitely see that like, some clubs could be worried about going to Mount Smart this season because of it being a tough game. Because Warriors look good, man. Their forward pack looks good. The outside backs are looking good. C and K has improved, I think. Uh, Jacob had a lot of. Criticism about his decision making. He's gotten better, I think. 
um, or maybe not as much as it used to be. I don't know. I didn't watch New South Wales Cup last year. I didn't have time to. On a doggy side perspective, though, they still look good. A couple of things to fix up uh, still, but that's for every team. It's like this is the fourth round of the season. They're going into the fifth. Don't expect to play godlike footy. If anyone if anyone expects your team to play godlike footy, four games into the round and into the season, like what, bro? You got too many high expectations. Um, unless your team is fucking dreadful like mine, then yeah, you can see why. We'll get to that next, actually. Uh, on on the doggies, Max King has been a, a bit of a workhorse for them, especially with Tavita Pengai not being able to play uh, still a bit array apparently, I don't know he, uh, anyway Physio reported something and then Pengai goes, you don't know shit and then blocked him and I'm like, bro Gus Gould said it, not him he, he's using Gus Gould as his report it's like, bro, calm down he's still got a wild array um, I, I think the the forward pack will be bolstered by his return though especially with his offloading ability I, I, I just don't think however they have the spine to capitalise that especially the fullback don't get me wrong Hayes Pam could be a, a good talent but I think he has a lot to improve on and that's something very similar to what I said about Guffo. He needs to develop, and he needs to develop over time. You, like, for instance, have Clint Gufferson, veteran of the game, knows what he's doing, solid. Hayes Pam, rookie, still developing, bit defensive, eh. That's where the area he needs to improve on. There were several times in that game where Rory's on the Bulldogs line, and... Pam made some questionable defensive decisions that led to tries. Something I hope Serraldo works on with him. But Ivan, that they've been like they've been good, man. Reed Marnie, another excellent game by him. Caraz, Foxy. It, like they got fans should be happy about it. Uh what I'm not gonna be happy about, however, is the next game. And that is Knights vs. Canberra. Holy fuck. I, I'm i disappointed in them, to be honest, Canberra. I think uh, losing Newcastle was a bit of a fucking wake-up call for them because Newcastle haven't been playing great footy. Um, they did this game. We just didn't capitalise off anything. We made too many mistakes. Jack Wright getting sent to the sin bin. Fuck me dead, honestly. The amount of times this season where... Penalties or send-offs have occurred because of a fucking late tackle on a kicker. It's bullshit. I, I completely understand. Com- protect the kicker at all costs. But fuck me dead. Has there been some dumb decisions we made made about that? And I'm not just talking about this game. It's been other games entirely. Like, it won't be on, like, 100% agree. Off the ground. Shouldn't have happened. But he was... But there's been times when the kickers have been on the ground... And boom. Penalty. 100%. I know the age old statement, but where else is he supposed to go? <laughs> You're in a f- momentum 
You're about to make the tackle. He just kicked. That can't be late. Felice Cafusi's fucking thing wasn't late, in my opinion. He was in the tackling motion once he passed. That's not fucking late. Oh, but he got whiplash. That's, that's going to be the ref's thing. Yeah. It's a contact fucking sport. The Ray that Gamble had... Uh, sorry, that Hastings was moved around. What else do you expect? So, I, I think that's something the NRL can address. Um, Jack Wright and face in two weeks. Also, what the fuck? Okay. I will, I'll be the first to say it. Canberra are not in a position to win the Premiership anytime soon. Probably not in the next five years. I completely agree that Wright should look elsewhere. For his career and for the better opportunity to win a Premiership. Because I can't see a future of it. Canberra winning the Premiership in the next five years. And he probably can't either. So he should probably look elsewhere and try and further his career and get a Premiership. He's ageing. I, I agree with it. Um... It's just they need to. Jackie needs to make some decision within six weeks. Because um, Magic Round is. He has to let them know before round 10. Whether he's staying or he's going. He's, he doesn't have a lot of time, and I hope I wish him well if he does leave, but I, I, I hope he doesn't stay because that means that, my, that Canberra are going to go downhill, in my opinion, because there's no one like Jackie Whiten for us. He's our X Factor. Um, so yeah, let's hope, I, I hope he resigns, but I also hope that he wins a premiership because he deserves it. He's a great player. He's performed at every level of football. At the moment, I don't believe he's worth a million dollars. I I think he's worth seven to 800k, 850k, solely because of those achievements and how his like, team's been performing, and that's a shit thing. Your your performance is based on how the team's performing, and that's it's been pretty bad lately. Moving on to the Newcastle side, I think Lockie Miller has been a great signing bot for them. Longevity, it could be good. Uh, we don't know how what's going to happen with KP. Of course, he's going to go Canberra, uh, not Canberra, sorry, Canada, to get his head checked out. All the best to him. Hope he's going well. Uh, hope he gets it sorted. But long to longevity. Looking at it with the next couple of rounds, Lockie Miller, great buy from Newcastle, to be honest. Uh, Gamble and Hastings look good in the halves. Gamble got that playmaking ability that a lot of people don't realise about Gamble. I think he's underrated in some aspects. Uh, Jaden Braley, one of the best hookers in recent uh, years. So, yeah. Let's hope for Knights that they can continue to improve. Uh, got, like, injuries is a main concern. Um, of course, for the next couple, like next year at least, Adam O'Brien's going to be in the chopping block if they don't perform for another year. But yeah, you know, that's what happens. Um, finally, next game. Wow. So we've got Nico Hines versus the Dragons. <laughs> or, sorry, the Sharks versus Ben Hunt. Because fuck me dead. I agree with Ben Hunt. No one had a good solid second half from the Dragons. Uh, fuck, you wanted to be kidnapping Ben Hunt at the moment from the Dragons to poor bloke. Because honestly, fuck, that team's pretty shit. Not performing well. How the fuck do you lose 40-8? 40 to 8, 
40 to 8. Uh, don't understand how their favourites at the moment could against the Dolphins. Uh, I'm not a betting expert. I've only bet $5 in my lifetime, and that was on Manly to win last week. That didn't go well. You can probably put money on Dolphins to win. So, I, I, I just think that this game shows how the River Dragons are at. Uh, Raw, they need to sign. They need to sign better forwards. Uh, another thing, oh, they need to run in six. They need a better six. Uh, but Janet Sullivan is going to improve. Tyrone Sloan. Uh, probably need a better hooker too. One team that could probably... Uh, going back to it, one team that could use uh, Jackie Ryan once Moylan goes is Sharks. Sharkies could be a fucking powerhouse with Jackie Ryan. They're running six. Works well with Nico. Both friends. Could be pretty good. And Nico Hine put on a blunder. Uh, not blunder. A fucking... Masterclass. Nico should be the sixth for New South Wales this year. And if he's not, that's that's a robbery because he's better than Luai. Him and Cleary, Lu, Luai and Cleary are good together. But if you can imagine Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary in the halves together, fuck, that's that's going to cause havoc for your team. At a rep level, you are going to be fucking scared of it. I'm I. I'm scared thinking about it already. Nico Hines is the, is the top tier at the moment. Like, another season of this, and he could be regarded as the best halfback in the NRL, uh, je- with clearly in a second. Uh, Sharks have the potential to win it this year. They have the same squad, nearly the same squad as last year with, with like, one player. They, they played together. They played very well. They they played simple, good footy for the past year, and uh, they should be rewarded for it. And I can't wait to see how they are rewarded for it. Will I hear? And we will see how Cronulla go because fuck, they could have made the grand final last year. They were they were red hot. Nico Hines is red hot. Matty Moylan's red hot. Brayley, William. Will Kennedy, the back five again, brilliant in this game. The forwards, Nikora, he fixed up. His, he's fixing up his errors, errors, and he's going really well. So props to the bloke. Um, obviously, I'm not going to go in depth with everything this episode. Uh, I've been going for 55 minutes, but I'm not going to go in depth because one, I couldn't watch a lot of footy. I just really skimmed over everything, and two, I'm not here to talk with Jacob about it. Uh, probably going to do more of these if Jacob is not available, or even Jacob will do it himself. But with that, we're going to go. We'll do the tipping one last time. We'll do the tipping for this week. Uh, first game of this round, we have Roosters versus Eels. I think Roosters get the job done. Uh, Penrith versus Canberra. I think Penrith are in that. Storm versus Rabbits. Rabbits, Manly vs Knights fuck, that's Manly all the way thank you uh, Dragons vs Dolphins Dolphins, uh, $2 by the way that's how much they are Broncos vs Tigers fuck me, Broncos, oh my god Sharks vs Warriors Sharks Bulldogs vs Cowboys Cowboys, Cowboys close though, very close uh, with that if you have any uh, 
we'd love to hear from you guys what's, what's been working well. Uh, send us a text to get your opinion on the page. We'll talk about it. Uh, with that, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I love my footy. <laughs>